Okay, who went out last night? No, can you hear me now? I can't hear myself, so that's a good thing. Left speaker's not on. There you go. Who went out last night? Who had a good time last night? Who had a great time down at Memorial Park for the Christmas carols? Yeah, yeah look at that. Half the hands went up. That's really cool. Um, I had an awesome time. We, we, we got to join with One in Christ uh, Fellowship and uh, some of the Cook Island dancers from, from the different churches around to celebrate uh, Christmas in the park. And it was a fantastic time. And I've just got to honour our team, Hannah and uh, Liv and Caitlin and Reuben and Pastor Jamie and Novi, all six of them, and Merrick, yeah, that was one more, Merrick, uh, who just made it work. They had one practice, and that was yesterday morning, or yesterday morning, afternoon-ish, had one practice and nailed it. We were in the park last night, and there was a shift that took place across the park as our team started to sing, and they went from singing Christmas carols to worshipping Jesus in the middle of Griffith. How awesome was that? And... uh, and if you were there and you would have felt it, I felt it. And there was just a shift in the crowd. And I just felt that uh, the, the God's presence was really in the place as we celebrated Christmas. So well done, team, for pulling all that together and, uh, and doing a 20-minute set roughly. And it was just a great time. Amen? Amen. So like Pastor Jamie said, this is, this is effectively our Christmas, um, th- our Christmas service. And there's reasons for that. And it'll probably come out in my message this morning. And I'm not used to holding one of these while I talk. So if I do this or whatever, just remind me, okay? I'm normally used to having one of these big things on my face and, and I can preach with my hand instead of up here. But I'll survive. There's a song about that, isn't there? Is there a song about that? Who, anyone want to sing it while I'm getting organized? Oh, no one wants to be keen. <laughs> Rodney can sing it. Awesome. So Christmas time, Merry Christmas to everybody and it's a joy to have you all here this morning and to, to our guests I just want to say welcome once again. It's, it's uh, our privilege uh, to come together on this Sunday and remember this time of year and uh, even when it's busy, is that a word in season at the moment? If you're busy, why don't you give me a wave? No one's busy in the church. What? Okay, there's a few honest people in the church. If you're really busy, that seems like when you walk around Griffith at the moment, when you walk around um, the street and you talk to people and you ask them what's going on in Christmas and, and, and people just haven't really had the time to stop and talk about Christmas or stop and even think about what they're doing for Christmas. It was only yesterday that we locked in what we were doing for Christmas lunch. That's how close everyone it is. And I think everybody's in the same kind of boat. We're all very busy. It's busy times. But we have to t- take time to stop and reflect on why we celebrate this time. Is that right? The true meaning behind and the true spirit behind this season, it's not the commercialization that the shops would have us understand. The true meaning can be lost in the busyness of our life. Is that right? Does it sound like a Ploy. It sounds like a strategy against us to keep us so busy that we forget who we are and whose we are. You know, you are a son of the Most High God. You're a daughter of the King of Kings. You realize that you are royalty and you are seated with Christ in heavenly places right now. 
And busyness is set against us to try and detract us from our rightful position in Christ. And when we lose our position in Christ, guess what? In our minds, this is we don't ever lose that position. But when we lose our, our position in Christ, it takes us out of the game of being a light for Christ in our community. And we, we all we decorate our Christmas trees with lights to remind us that the light came into the world, but that should remind us to stop being so busy and become lights ourselves. That's, that's what Christmas really is when we stop and think. But you see, we've all got good intentions, but sometimes around this season we get so busy that our good intentions can lead us down a place that we were never intended to go. The busyness of life takes us and detracts from us. Thanks, Angus, you're doing an awesome job, bro. And uh, it can detract us. You see, good intentions, they can get in the way. Some good intentions that get in the way that, 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 that sort of stand out in this time. You know, I can talk about busyness. I can talk about it all day long. But let's think about this. Who's busy running around after everything and everyone at the moment? You seem like you're running your children around everywhere. You seem like you're running from this place to the next. You seem like you've got to go and pick up this from one shop and you've got to go and run it over to this one. And if you bought a pair of trousers and you're as short as me, you probably got to go and get them taken up. So you've got to go to another place because mum won't do it anymore. No, that's a joke. Mum does do my trousers if I ask her to. It's all good. It's all good. You know, but we're all working long hours too because we all go on some, some public holidays at the very least. Most of us do. So, so we lose time at work. So we're trying to cram our, our work in, aren't we? We're trying to get as much done in a shorter period of time, but there's still only the same amount of time in your day. So what happens is your, your eight hours, if, if we just go with the average, blows out to be 12 or 14 hours. Is that right? That's the busyness of life. Some of you are already doing that and you're pushing that for as far as you can, pushing out to 18 and then you're wondering why you're walking around tired. We're busy shopping. We're busy taking appointments. If you're like me, I've been running backwards and forwards to Wagga crazily with appointments. You're busy packing to go away on a holiday or go away and see family. You're busy wrapping presents. Who's been busy wrapping presents of late? You're busy cooking. Who's cooking up a mad feast for Tuesday? How come no one wants to raise their hand there? Because I'm going to volunteer to come around and help you eat that mad feast. But seriously, you're starting to think about, am I going to have ham or am I going to have turkey or am I going to have pork? Or if you're an English person, am I going to have a goose? Yep, a goose, a Christmas goose. You think about it. Then, you, then you've got the normal things. You've got to clean the house because this time of the year, the house is getting really messy, really fast. You've got to think about having a bath or having a shower. Some of us, it's only once a year if you come from England. All right? But anyway, you having a... A bath. Then you've got to eat three square meals a day. If you're like me, you've got to eat five meals a day sometimes. But you've just got to eat. These things, they just make you busy. And then you couldn't even be bothered preparing a decent meal. So you've got to run around and you decide to go and cheat and go into KFC or McDonald's. And, and, and then you, you wonder why you're putting on weight. And then all of a sudden, there's the Christmas parties. Wow, how many Christmas parties have you been to? How many lunches have you been to to celebrate with your colleagues that you, you're going to be on two days break? <laughs> what about the shopping? The shop's going to be tw- closed for 12 hours, but you're all buying 21 days worth of groceries. It doesn't make sense. It, it's just, 
it just doesn't make sense. Dinners, etc., etc., etc. All of this continually goes on. And then you wonder why you hit the bed at night and you're so tired and you just start to drop off and all of a sudden a thought comes into your mind and then you're wide awake and you can't sleep and you toss and you turn and you turn and you toss because we're so busy. So today, let's just take the chance to stop for a moment. Is that okay? This is why I'm doing Christmas on a Sunday. Most people are already in the habit of stopping for a time on a Sunday. Let's stop, but not just stop, let's reflect. What are we reflecting on? Well, if we if we move away from the busyness of life and we start to reflect, we become grateful for what God has actually done in our lives this past 12 months. We can start to reflect upon the joy, as Pastor Jamie shared, that's available as a fruit of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, when we start to encounter the joy of the Lord, we start to realize that we can overcome whatever's coming our way. We can stop, we can reflect, and then, we can recenter again. And then you can be all set for Christmas Day, running around doing all the crazy things like a chicken with its head cut off. All of those wonderful things that you need to do on a Christmas Day so that you can just drop on Boxing Day and watch the cricket. Who's with me on that one? <laughs> yeah? Make yourselves extremely busy for one day. Stop and watch the cricket and listen. Turn the, turn the commentators off and listen to the Lord. I've got an article. Who... I don't know, if you've been in the church long enough, you've heard the debates around Christmas. You've heard the stories around, uh, you've heard the stories around, you know, we're even, we're celebrating a pagan thing and all this sort of stuff. I don't agree with that. I think we're called to reconcile that which was pagan unto the Lord. Is that right? So we use festivals and things to remember important dates like the birth of Jesus. So I found this during the week and I thought I might read some of this to you. Have you ever wondered why people hang tinsel on Christmas trees or how candy canes become synonymous with the winter holiday? What's a candy cane got to do with Christmas? I mean, seriously. Yeah, well, true. And I'll probably need one because my breath is starting to go. But anyway, while these holiday decorations may seem arbitrary, most of these traditional decorations have a special meaning. The star and the candles, Christmas, The Christmas star symbolizes the star of Bethlehem, which according to the biblical story guided the three kings to the baby Jesus or the three wise men. A star is also the heavenly sign of prophecy fulfilled long ago and the shining hope for humanity. A candle, a mirror of starlight is also a symbol representing the star of Bethlehem. Before electric Christmas tree lights were invented and has anyone been to my house, mine gives you an epileptic fit. Thomas wrapped my tree with outdoor Christmas lights. So there's like a thousand lights on my tree and they go like this at you the whole time. And I just, I'm wondering why I'm fitting while I'm sitting there. I ask him to turn them off all the time. Is that right, Sarah? They just set you off. Anyway, get back to the candle. Before electric Christmas tree lights were invented, families would use candles to light up the tree. Also at this time, two other holidays shared the significance of candles and light. One of them being Hanukkah and the Festival of Lights is celebrated in Judaism. And uh, Kwanzaa is a unity celebration of people displaced during the African uh, diaspora where one candle of the Kanara candle holder 
is lit over seven nights. So that's the star, the candles that we think about. What about the gifts and a bow? Who wraps their presents and puts a bow on their present? Some of you could be intricate and wrap it with ribbon and then put a little bow on there. Some of you can cheat like me and grab one of those stick-on bows and just go, oh, there's a bow on my, on my present. And, uh, but the men who brought their gifts to honour the birth of Jesus inspired the concept of giving gifts during the holiday. According to the New Testament, uh, Melchior, uh, Balthazar and Gaspar brought gifts of gold, incense and myrrh to the newborn. A ribbon is tied around a gift to represent how we should all be tied together in bonds of unity and goodwill during the holiday season. I like that. Do you like that? I think that's pretty cool. The colours red and green. Who's wearing green today? We've got a few people wearing green, Christmas colours. The colours red and green are used at Christmas to represent, firstly, the blood of Jesus when he died upon the cross. It's reflected in the colour of holly berries, which also has pagan symbolism during the winter solstice celebrations in ancient Rome. So we see that we've grabbed an ancient pagan thing and we've reconciled it for the kingdom. Green is another popular colour at Christmas time, uh, signifying everlasting life or light. Romans decorated their houses with evergreen branches during the new year and the fir tree symbolises life during the winter. And that happened in a lot of the, the snowing countries. There is also a legend that when Jesus was born in the dead of winter, all the trees around the world shook off the snow to reveal new shoots of green. I like that legend. It's a pretty cool legend, if you ask me. The bell. Anyone hang a bell on their tree? Yeah, absolutely. Someone, um, I think it was Dylan the other night, got a Christmas bell with his name written on it in mum and dad's place. You know? That's awesome. The bell. Bells are rung during Christmas to proclaim the arrival of the season and to announce the birth of Christ. But again, the ringing of bells can be traced back to pagan winter celebrations used to drive out evil spirits. Thank God we don't have to ring a bell to drive out an evil spirit now, eh? Anyway, the candy cane. Here we go. Who likes candy canes? Anyone got one? No? Okay. The treat represents the shape of a shepherd's crook. Jesus often referred to it as uh, Jesus often referred to as the good shepherd was born on Christmas. His birth was God's way to bring lost lambs back to the fold. The red stripe represents blood, Christ's sacrifice, and the white stands for purity. Isn't that awesome? Don't know why we add green to it, but anyway. Because you can get blue and red ones now, it got nothing to do with Christmas. It's Newcastle right there. Anyway, the wreath, the last one, the wreath is a circular, never-ending symbol of eternal love and rebirth. Holly also stands for immortality and cedar for strength. Today, the wreath symbolizes generosity, giving and the gathering of family. There's a little bit of information for you. Why do we celebrate what we celebrate and the little intricate things of Christmas that sometimes we just take for granted. If you're like me, you send the boys down to the shed and find the decorations and you say just put the tree up guys because I'm too busy yeah and Thomas he always does a nice job with the tree anyway it's like it's like good old Santa Claus who likes Santa Claus don't put your hand up you'll get in trouble I grew up believing in Santa right and let me say it never actually hurt me you know it's just it was just one of those things that we did as a family. 
But with my own family today, I, I don't actually promote Santa. We just don't do it. It's just something that we, we chose not to do as a family. But the reason probably behind that is he's now too commercialized. You go back to the original Saint Nick and you go back to the story of what that actually represented. It's a beautiful story, but now Santa only represents you can go to every mall in the vicinity and get a photograph with him and find the best one to put on your Christmas card. Right? Which, which one's the best Santa? Oh, it's always got me. You walk into a, a mall and Santa's sitting there and then you go down to another shopping centre or plaza and there's a Santa sitting there. And then you go to another one and... Santa's coming today and it's different Santa. It, it just played with my mind. And uh, so that's the other reason we did it. It's just become too commercialized. Say amen to that. But look at the, some of the things that it, even the imagery within him represents. Like his suit is red. Why is his suit red? It's red not just because it's a Christmas color. It's red because it should remind us that the blood of Jesus covers us. But then you've got the white around the, the different places, his cuffs and things like that. Again, that representing like the candy cane to us that Jesus' blood was shed so that we can be pure. His belt was large and prominent, not just to hold his pants up, but to see the importance of truth. You see, truth is so important for a Christian, isn't it? We, we, under, we need to understand the value of truth and how truth sets us free and how truth can actually set our friends and family free. It should remind us to be about the truth. His cheeks. No, actually, let's go back to his boots. They're practical because where Santa comes from is snow. They're practical, but they're definitely relevant for what he does. It's like the gospel today. The gospel must remain relevant. We talk about Santa wearing his shorts when he comes to Australia and his thongs. That's a relevance, isn't it? As he walks around in his shorts and thongs, he's not cooking. And next Sunday, apparently, it's going to be 46 degrees. So I'm thinking about calling a pool party for church. But anyway, um, imagine wearing those big boots up here on a 46 degree day. It's like the gospel being used as a hammer or the gospel being used to reveal the love of God? Where is the relevance among the, the people that you're talking with? The, the, the cross-cultural, the cross-generational ties. The, 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 the story is exactly the same, but it needs to be relevant to be understood by the hearer. It needs to be uh, used effectively like a, a surgeon's scalpel. That's his boots. But then what about his rosy cheeks? Everyone ever seen Santa with red cheeks? A red nose like Rudolph? His rosy cheeks from the cold. But there's also the joy that um, is represented in rosy cheeks. There's joy represented in that. The joy that Jamie was talking of. The joy of Christmas. The joy of the virgin birth. The joy that the gift of the Saviour has come into the world. There's a joy that's available. Nehemiah 8.10, as Jamie said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we're supposed to be reminded of these things and not just over-commercialized, buy a thousand gifts for everyone and then feel like you've got to pay for it for the next six months. Jesus already paid for it. The free gift that represents grace. Ephesians 2.8 
For by grace you have been saved. One, it is a gift that must be opened. Who runs to the Christmas tree on Christmas morning, sees all the Christmas presents there and then sits and watches them all day and goes, wow, look at my gifts. How amazing is that? Whoever did that in their life? No, you didn't. You ran down, you jumped on your bike, you ran your, rang your bell until your parents fell out of bed so you could hurry up and open your Christmas presents. We know what actually happens, but you never actually receive a gift until you open it. Is that right? The gift of grace must be open. The gift of Jesus dying upon the cross was for the entire world. Every person, every sin that was ever committed, past, present and future, was covered in the death of Jesus Christ. His blood was sufficient to set us free, but it's a gift of grace that one must open. You cannot open this gift unless you come to it in faith. Unless you can say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and he's my Savior, you cannot open that gift until you come to faith. And it's just like the same gift sitting under that Christmas tree that every year comes out and gets put back there and put back there and put back there. One day you're going to have the courage to say, I believe that this gift is actually for me and this gift I can open today. This is a gift that was given to me. It was paid for 2,000 years ago in the blood of Jesus Christ. And today it might be your day where you will choose to open that gift and come to faith in Jesus Christ. And you see, Christmas has been so over-commercialized that it's about a pine tree that you can get on sale at Target for half price, made of plastic. And it's about a man in a red suit with rosy cheeks that says, go and buy as much as you can and spend as much as you can to keep the wealthy wealthy and make yourself even poorer. But that was never the intention of Jesus. It was never the intention of Christmas. But we must stop Take the time to refocus at this time of year and reflect on what God is doing through the story of Christmas. If you've got your Bibles, would you open with me to Matthew chapter 2? I've got one in here though. Technical issue, got to change the battery. I'm on. Yes. Is that better? Awesome. Thanks, says. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. I don't know why this story is speaking to me so much this Christmas, but it really is. Let's read together. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. These guys traveled thousands of miles to get there to worship this baby. Let that sit on you for a moment. They traveled by land and on foot to follow a star so they could worship this child. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled 
and all Jerusalem with him. What, what that means is, if I interpret that into today's language, is he was mad. He was angry. There was another king that was being declared, and he was still the rightful king in his eyes. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Not a real king of Israel if he had to ask where the king was meant to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod, sorry, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Now, we can put that in today's language. Herod gets on his iPhone and he dials up the wise men and he says, you know, where is this dude meant to be born? But now he actually summons them to come to him and these these three kings, as we call them, but these wise men, they, the magi, they come before the king. Notice the Bible says that they don't offer the king anything. You notice that? At Christmas time, you can offer the king something. It just depends on which king you're offering it to. You can come to the altar of the world and offer to the king of this world anything you want to find temporary success or joy or you can come to the altar of Jesus Christ and you can offer your entire life where you can find the fulfillment of joy it's a big difference they didn't offer this king anything all they gave him was the basic information about the star And he said to them, go to Bethlehem, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. The lie of this world just coming out there like that. Herod's intention was not to worship Jesus. Herod's intention was to kill the boy. Come and tell me all that you've discovered and where this boy is and I will come and I will worship him. I'll worship him by throwing him to my own God. When they heard the king, they departed and behold the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and more. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. I would interpret that and say that the Holy Spirit encountered them and put the fear of the Lord in them. Because if they were to go back to Herod, their lives would have been lost. Their eternal lives. What I see is some amazing things in this story. 
There's no hint of a backstory within Scripture. Tradition and, and, and other texts will tell you that who they are and what they've done. But Matthew simply introduces us to the travellers with, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. But who were these men? The term wise men, also translated as magi, uh, refers to, get this, astronomers and astrologers who served in royal courts throughout ancient Near Eastern worlds. Within the Medo-Persian Empire, for example, magi were regarded as valuable advisors due to their knowledge of science, agriculture and sorcery. Later during the Babylonian Empire, Daniel encountered and rescued a group of prominent wise men that had been called upon to interpret the king's dreams. That's Daniel chapter 2. Those people that were before the king were the same kind of people as the ones who came to worship Jesus. By the first century AD, Magi were more broadly known as men who studied sacred writings and dabbled with occult practices. As evidenced by the account of Simon Magus in Acts 8, such men who practiced magic were contemporaries of Jesus and his disciples in and around Palestine. That means that they were walking in the time of Jesus and his disciples, contemporaries. Though present throughout the region, Magi were more commonly associated with the Parthian Empire located in the east of Palestine, which is now present-day Iran. It's possible that the wise men who visited Jesus hailed from this area, which would explain their familiarity with the Old Testament prophecy of the King of the Jews, which we found in our reading today. After the Babylonian captivity, remnants of Jewish culture lingered in the region and it's likely that Hebrew scriptures were among the sacred writings these wise men studied in their pursuit of wisdom. That does make them wise if they're studying scripture, true? But fast forward to today and what I sense is that everyone, no matter where they are in life, no matter what they're doing, everyone is on a quest. Is that right? I get a flash of, you ought to excuse this, I get a flash of the Monty Python skit where they're trying to find the Holy Grail and they're standing there at the bridge. And What is your quest? <laughs> they're three questions and they get thrown off the bridge because they don't answer them properly. I might be too old, sorry. Anyway, move on. Everyone is on a quest. Deep down it is a quest for truth. Even mystics throughout history and today are seeking truth. Genuinely, most people are not set on doing evil deeds. Would you agree with that? The majority of people that you know and that I know and that I've met in my life, they're actually not set on being evil or evildoers. It's just the way that their life is. It's the the way they've been brought up. It's the extent of everything that they've known and do. It's their family history. It's what they've come from. And if we can start our friendships or our communication with people from that basis that they don't know what they don't know they only know what they know then all of a sudden it puts us on the similar ground because I only know what only I know and I I don't know what I don't know but I do know one thing that I've met the saviour and it's something that I can offer to someone it's something that you can offer to someone who is in the search for real truth 
While sin may grip these people, the desire of every human heart is to honor the truth and come to the knowledge of God. God has put this divinely placed missing piece in every person. Romans talks about the law being written upon our hearts. And when we break the law, we know in our conscience that there's something that has gone wrong. That there is a separation from someone who divinely has called us. So in the depths of every human heart is the honour, or is to honour the truth that comes from the knowledge of God. And that should give us hope in Christmas time. We've all got friends and families who don't know about Jesus. And we're sitting back and we're using our minds and we're saying, but this person, they just don't believe in God. And this person, you know, there's a scientist. And this person, well, he's an astrologer. And this person, well, this is a mystic. And this person has been hurt by the church. And this person, you know, that they had something happen that was tragic to their life when they were a young person. And what we're doing is we're justifying the stances that these people are taking instead of being a light into their community, into their world, being actually someone that Jesus has deposited in their world to be able to bring the truth to set them free. Every human heart, there is a hope. Three really quick points. Firstly, you write this one down. I'll say it this way first, but I'm going to use people from now on. Wise men and women still seek the Christ today. Wise people, people on the search for truth, still are seeking for Jesus the Christ today. Just like these wise men, these magi who traveled to get to the baby. No matter how far away from Jesus you think people are in the right time and as they allow their hearts to stop and reflect, why do you think we are so busy at this time? Because when our world is busy, they will not stop and reflect upon the reason that we exist. It takes, it takes three whole days for someone like a CEO a high-profile businessman or woman, to unplug. It takes them three days in nature with no power and technology. It takes them three days to unplug to begin to ask a real question about life. That's the problem with busyness. No matter how far away you think they are, no matter how busy you think they are, in the right time and as they allow their hearts to stop and reflect, the more likely they will begin to ask the big questions. This is why we as the church must stop and reflect at Christmas time. It is so important for us as followers of Jesus. Christmas Day, we must stop and take time. As a Christian, in your family, spiritually you're the highest spiritual being in that room at Christmas lunch or Christmas dinner or Christmas breakfast or Christmas secondsies or whatever. Like you're the, you're the one that should be the light and you can stop your family from being busy and with a simple piece of the Lord, ask them to hold hands and give thanks for your food. I 
challenge you to do that this Christmas. No matter what you look like, no matter how you think you will be ridiculed, I'm telling you, if they respect you as a loved one, they will bow their heads and they will pray with you. Don't let busyness stop you from remembering your Lord. You are the light to these people. In our reading, the Holy Spirit used a star. My question is, will you be a star this Christmas? Will you be the star this Christmas? The voices of our world try hard to shut us out. The commercialization of Christmas has tried hard, but we represent a God who would lower himself to the point of stepping into time as a human being. Wise men, wise women, wise people still seek him today. Be the light that leads people to Jesus. You are a star this Christmas. You are a star. Be a star. Share the truth. It will set people free if you believe it. Don't water it down, but encapsulate it in love. Secondly, it was an encounter that led the wise men in the other direction. They turned from Herod's plan of destruction and headed in another direction. So my second point is, encounter positions us for sacrifice. It costs us something to live for Jesus, amen? It costs you something. You might think it hasn't cost you much at all. But the challenge of living for Jesus is that it's actually cost us our whole life. Romans 6 talks about us being dead in burial with baptism, being alive under Jesus. It's cost you something to be here today. So wise men and women, they give generously to God and show generosity to others by sharing the truth. You you won't be hot with truth if you're not hot with generosity unto your God. And I'm talking about generosity with your time, your talents, your treasures, everything that encapsulates your life, most importantly, your time with him. Even if it costs you something, the miracle of Christmas must be told. One of your friends or your family mightn't talk to you for a few weeks or a few months. But that's between them and God. You can only be a light. You can only be an encounter point, a touch point for someone's salvation. The Magi gave gifts of wealth, verse 11. They were royal gifts of the time. It not only cost them physically to travel to see Jesus, but when they arrived, they gave much. They gave Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, it symbolized royalty and kingship. You didn't have much gold in those days unless you were kingly, unless you were noble. Frankincense was the incense that was burned for deities or deities, symbolizing that Jesus was divine. Not only have they accepted that he's human, he's born as a human, but he's also divine. And thirdly, the gift of myrrh, while also used as incense, was more commonly used as an anointing oil, particularly these two things, that gift that said that he was going to be the one that would bring healing to the world through his death and burial, of which there was provision. Three gifts speaking of Jesus' royalty, deity, and humanity. His kingship, 
the provision of God, his sacrifice in the flesh and his anointing for bringing restoration. It's such an amazing story. How can we not tell it? It is our responsibility to seek the encounter, no matter the cost, to sacrifice time to be with Jesus. How do we do this? Well, Jamie touched it really well last week through our devotional life and our prayer. Jesus turned the world upside down. If we want to do the same, then we must wisely seek him and position ourselves to be the sacrifice. Thirdly, if wise men and women still seek Jesus, and what was my second point, anyone? Do you remember? Because I've got to go back to my notes. If the second one was that encounter positions us for sacrifice, then thirdly, encounter leads us to be separate from the world unto his kingdom. In other words, wise people put action to their faith. Wise people put action to their faith. It's not just a faith that says, I come to Jesus for my needs. I'm talking about a faith that goes beyond ourselves to touch a world that needs a saviour. The Magi, the wise men, they sought out the Messiah. They sacrificed much to bring gifts, declaring their faith in him. And the encounter with Jesus as a child changed the course of their journey. You can read that in verse 12. We said that in verse 12, didn't we? Where it said, Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. When you encounter Jesus... There's a shift that takes place and you go from a path of destruction to the path of life forevermore. Encountering Jesus shifts the path of your journey. There is no other way to say it. Is your life a mess? Then you need to encounter Jesus. Are you struggling at this time emotionally? The answer is to encounter Jesus. Are you in a difficult situation financially? Is the burden too much that you can't carry? The answer is the encounter with Jesus. The encounter with the Jesus who shared of the Beatitudes that my God will supply all your needs. What about if you're in a toxic relationship? There is only one relationship that is going to fix that. And let me say it is his name. His name is the name above all names. His name is the name Jesus Christ. A toxic relationship means you should get out and remind yourself of who you are with Jesus. It is not just a token encounter either. It's not just turning up to church on a Sunday and hoping to encounter him. Sometimes the position of encounter costs us something. It is an encounter that changes the course of your journey, just like these wise men. It's an encounter with the king, a king who has paid a high price that you would lay down your life and take up the cross for you. It's a life that costs you sacrifice, a life that is full of faith, but it's a life that don't let me lie to you, don't let me try and draw you in with, with words of my own wisdom. It is a life that takes courage. Jesus says this, In Matthew 6:33. But seek first the But seek first the Christmas tree 
But seek first the Santa's lap. But seek first the great meal without even mentioning my life. Seek, seek first the great party. No, he doesn't say that at all, does he? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all this shall be added unto you. Where is your life at this time? Are you like these wise men who were walking and talking with the king on one day and upon the encounter with Jesus? So these men were walking and kind of flaunting with the tightrope of appeasing a king while worshipping the true king. But when they encountered the Holy Spirit, there was a shift and a change in their journey and they went the other way. Are you flaunting, or what's the word? Are you playing with the world and taunting death? Are you sitting on the fence, one foot in the warm part, one foot in the cold part, and therefore you become lukewarm? Where is your life at this moment? Are you struggling to find peace? The angels declared joy to the world. The magi, they came and they presented gifts to a baby, a young boy whom they'd never met. But through prophecy and the astrology and the astronomy that they taught and knew, the stars pointed to this man that was to die upon a cross. And they came to pay homage. And that encounter with the Savior shaped their entire world. One encounter changed the path of their life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? It would be amiss of me not to offer this encounter for you today. Jesus came into the world as a gift of salvation. His salvation is freely available. But again, I do not want to entice you with a lie. His freely available gift ends up costing you, but gives you so much more in the end. A simple transaction of saying, I love you, Jesus, and I believe that you died for me, will shift your life to untold joy and peace. It'll bring you to a place where you are free from the debt of sin no longer holding you captive anymore. The embrace of Jesus in the gospel opens the prison door of your life and sets you free. The walk and journey of faith allows you to step out and to experience the fullness of him. Just one question, one time. If you would like to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, would you raise your hand this morning? Thank you. While our heads are bowed, let us just give glory to God.
Father, we give you glory today. We thank you today, this Christmas season, for the gift of Jesus Christ. We thank you that wise people still seek you out today. But Lord, as wise ones following you now, we ask that we would be a light to our families this Christmas. Help us to have the courage to stand for what we believe in. May we learn the lessons of Peter who denied Christ three times. May we not be like that that the rooster crow on us this week. May we stand full of the encounter, full of your spirit, full of joy, full, Lord God, of hope, knowing that you can use us to bring love to this community. Father, I pray today that every person sitting under my voice and every person that belongs to Life Source Church, Lord, that they would have a fantastic Christmas season. I pray the blessings of the Lord upon them. I pray the joy of the Lord to be their strength. I pray the peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord, would be right there in the midst of running around. That they would know who they are and they would know whose they are. And Lord, I pray for each family to stop, to think, to reflect, and to pray that your will be done in and through their lives. Father, we thank you for this season in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. From my wife to you all, from Pastor Rodney and Janetis to Pastor Jamie and Hannah, Pastor Therese and Stoller, who are in New Zealand at the moment, and Pastor James and Amy, who are preaching in Leighton today. From all of us here at Life Source Church, we're going to wish you a Merry Christmas and continue to have a wonderful day. Thank you. 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 Th